Hi, this is Billy Sands. When I want to spice up my barbecue, I always listen to Chris and Case on the Detroit Lions broadcast show. Lions fans, it's time for the podcast you've been waiting for. The show where Kool-Aid runs blue, faces turn red, and rose-colored glasses never go out of style. This is the Detroit Lions Podcast. Your Detroit Lions and Reddit connection. And now, two guys who have never dropped a Matthew Stafford pass. Chris and Case. Hey, howdy ho, Lions fans. Welcome to the Detroit Lions podcast episode 202. This is the official Detroit Lions podcast for Reddit. I am your dashing host, Chris, and with me is my good friend and co-host, Case. How you doing, my man? Well, uh, I'm, I'm feeling the uh, holiday of my people a little bit, Chris, but I'm doing pretty good. Huh. Better than feeling your people. In today's show, we're going to talk a little bit about our big thing for St. Jude. And uh, your chance to, to give and help out sick kids. We're also going to talk about some new Lions on the team. We're going to ask you, who is the second cornerback on this team? We've got Tony Ortiz joining us. He's a Lions sideline reporter. He also does the news desk for WWJ 97.1. It's his first breakthrough on the show. Treat him gently, and I think he'll treat you just fine. We've got that and a whole lot more. It's a great show. Case, you ready to go, my man? My uh, charms got pretty lucky, too. Let's kick this off and break it down. A couple of quick announcements first. Check us out and help us out on Patreon. Special thanks to Dylan from Guam. That's right. And we got a shirt for that. Of course, our very first donor, Mathis. And Brian B. from I Prevail. we got a sweet new album. Case, have you heard Paranoid? The song, I, I've been tweeting it a little bit. Did yeah, I've been hearing it. Ooh, that is a great song. Check their stuff out. It's on YouTube. And check them out, iprevailband.com. They're big donors, patreon.com slash Detroit Lions podcast. You can join the crew, patreon.com slash Detroit Lions podcast. Brian, lead singer for Mind Prevail, Riz, whole bunch of other people all hanging out, talking lions in the most intelligent chat you'll ever find on our Slack chat. And you get that for as little as a dollar a month. Also, we have a pre-show show that we put together every now and again. Patreon.com slash Detroit Lions podcast. Be a member. And also don't forget throughout the month of March and the month of April, every dollar we collect to Patreon goes to St. Jude. That's really going to feel good for you to do that. Give us a like on Facebook, facebook.com slash the Detroit Lions podcast, facebook.com slash the Detroit Lions podcast. And check us out on Twitter at D-E-T Lions Podcast. D-E-T Lions Podcast. It's the very best place to see Case. With a green face. Ooh. Okay. Uh, subscribe to us on YouTube. YouTube.com slash Detroit Lions Podcast. Don't forget, that's the only place you're going to see the live stream of our draft party. Getting ready for that? The Detroit Lions Podcast live draft party. During the draft, you can head on over to YouTube on our channel and see us cover every pick on the first day live. YouTube.com slash Detroit Lions Podcast. Go there, subscribe, hit the bell so you're notified, and you'll see it as it happens. Rate us on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, Spotify. A lot of you guys are going to Spotify now. Spotify is a great place to check it out. Uh, wherever you go, let them know what you think of the show if it's a five-star review. We love those five-star reviews. You folks have been giving them out uh, a little juicier lately, Case. They've been really, really friendly with those if you have a, a an issue or you want something changed in the show let us know on the subreddit that's where we focus on those kinds of things otherwise 
five-star reviews on any podcast aggregator you go to to find us. Give us a call via Skype, Detroit Lions Podcast, all one word, Detroit Lions Podcast, or call us on the Lions line at 929-33-LIONS. It's 929-335-4667. Leave a message and get a chance to hear yourself on the show. Tighten your chin straps, kids. It's time to review This Week in Reddit. All right, it's time to talk about all the fun and exciting things going down this week in Reddit. And holy moly, we got a new hire, Tommy Lee Lewis coming in, um, former beau of Pamela Anderson. We've seen him out there honking boat horns with the big wiener. Case, um, this, this is something. I didn't think that a guy of that age would be able to come out of the uh, the music industry and play some football, but looks like the Lions think so, huh? It's pretty impressive, Chris. <laughs> Um, the bullshit I made up or <laughs> right. Well, either way you want to look at it. Um, it, for, for those who remember, obviously Tommy Lee Lewis's, uh, claim to fame was the, uh, no call when he caught the pass for the saints last year in the playoffs. Mm-hmm. Uh, that was him. He's, uh, he was Kenny Galladay's roommate. Apparently I maybe it, somebody will have to fact check that for me, but, um, we because we needed another you know uh, roommate storyline on the team. I can I can fact check that he wasn't my roommate. Does that help? That that does narrow it down. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> uh, they signed him as a and and they literally like right before we started recording this. So um I, I'll have to come back with a little bit further thought on it in a later week. But uh, slot receiver five seven. Uh, has occasionally played on the outside. So, I mean, that is, you know, part of his repertoire. Uh, spent most of last season on IR after a knee injury, but came back and and did a few things. I mean, we're not talking about a guy. He he was a UDFA three years ago, um, and he'd been with the Saints that whole time and not massive production. But while I don't think it's likely that it would change the team's plans in terms of trying to plan um, – for the future of the position, because I don't think Powell, I don't think Tommy Lee Lewis, I don't think uh, uh, Danny Amendola, I don't think any of the, those guys are the long-term answer to that position. Uh, it does provide more depth to that area. And, and so as long as they still, you know, are able to go out and find somebody in the draft or, or yet in free agency, even although things are getting a little scarce there who could provide a longer term, then it, then it won't be a major issue. And if they have to live this year with that as what they've got, then that can be one of the major things they go after next year. Interesting. Yeah. I think, uh, well, I think they're going to go for wide receiver. I don't think that's, that's a question. Is this the guy? He, he, he isn't drawn the calls that he should be. He needs to work on his acting a little bit, I think maybe, <laughs> but um, he seems like a guy that can catch the ball, but it just hasn't had the reliability they want. Um, it's, it's interest. It's an interesting signing at a position of need. Uh, other than the whole Pamela Anderson connection, do you think he's a camp body and nothing more? Or do you think he's going to hang around? Oh, I think he'll have a legitimate shot to make the team. He has made the team for the saints the last three years. I think there's a very good shot for him to make the team. Um, I would be a little surprised if you pushed, uh, Danny Amendola for starting time. And I think whether or not he becomes, you know, uh, a, uh, a healthy scratch type of player on the roster, it will be determined by whether or not they take 
a me, guy in the draft who's able to you know push. Let me take a different angle. As a healthy scratch, is he a quality player that you're putting aside ahead of Amendola, or is he just really covered in old guys kind of uh, injury? Well, maybe. <laughs> right. I has- mean, you, you 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 all you and let me put it in this context. You always want to raise the bar. You want better players. And look, if you have better players sitting on the bench than he used to, that's an upgrade, I guess. At his age yet, I mean, there is plenty of upside there. So there is plenty of upside that he could be, uh, you know, a better player in the, you know, in in the second section of his career than he was in the first. He also may not have just had the opportunities. And like I said, I'll come, I'll try to look more into him um, over the next couple of weeks and and come back come back with something a little more substantial. But f- from the way it looks, he may just not have had the opportunities to do more. He also has experience as a as a return man, um, which is something you know that's always a wrinkle to add in into that situation. So does he, if he's a special teams guy, you know, that's how a lot of guys make the roster. Sure. So. Sure. Do you have any ringers on in mind for return guy right now? Uh, boy, it's, it's been, I pretty do slim not know pickings, the, right? that, I do not know the answer to that yet that I feel like <laughs> that's going to be something we'll hopefully get some clue as to, uh, early in early in the, uh, in the off season once, once practices start. Okay. Okay, cool. All right, we'll move on. I'm gonna I'm gonna throw a, a curveball at you, Case. It's uh it's something we haven't talked about uh, ahead of the show or anything or didn't do any thinking about. Okay, I want to talk about Matthew Stafford. Okay, I got I've got some breaking news. It was something we were talking about earlier, my wife and I. Um, Matthew Stafford has how many years left in his contract, Case? I oh I got I want to say it's 2022. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, so. Think about this. And people are talking about when would he be traded? When would he be gone? Where would he go? I want to throw a wrinkle into this that nobody is talking about. Okay. Because he's, he, let's face it, he's made for money, right? He doesn't, he doesn't need a bunch of money. At the end of this contract, if he isn't on a winning team, uh, if he's not on a, and I'll just use the Patriots analogy, if he's not on a Patriots kind of team at that point, right? Um, the the idea of him bringing some team to Super Bowl relevance in the twilight years of of his career is probably not there, right? We have to say within this contract he has to kind of be in that in right in there, right? Right. Would you, would you agree? Okay. So now, if I think about this, okay, let me put you into a mindset of Matthew Stafford, who seems to be a pretty good family man. Right? Would you would you agree? Off season, you see him with the family. It certainly the seems kids, like kids, absolutely. Okay. So I'm gonna do a little math here. His kids were born in March of twenty seventeen, the twins. Okay. That means in March of twenty twenty two they turned five years old. Okay. As a parent and there's other parents out there, that's kindergarten time. Right? You want to be stable in a location that you're going to stay for the long haul by the time your kids are in kindergarten. Okay? You don't want to pop them out, go to another school, this and that and whatever. Now, in this off season, I have some really, really good, uh, an amazing research crew on on this podcast, mainly my wife who follows Kelly on Instagram. Um, <laughs> who, they've spent this entire off season in California. And I and and my wife made the point we were talking about this. This is where all this came from. The the concept is they probably moved there, bought a house there because they seem to be living there this whole off season. 
Okay. So I think, and, and, and where my wife used to teach school, there was a lot of people that you all would probably know the name of, uh, that went there. And as we left a whole ton of Rams, uh, kids went there. Um, that's the place. If you're relatively famous, have a decent amount of money, you put your kids in and they don't stand out special, right? When they go to school, I'm thinking not that he's going to the Rams, but the Matthew Stafford's thinking about that kind of end of career progression happens at the same time that his um, kids go to kindergarten. That whole that whole thing all comes together at the same point in time, right? And um, I'm thinking that that 2022 piece might be where we see uh, the end of Matthew Stafford as a Lions quarterback. What do you, I mean, and you can, you can shoot me down, right? You can, you can say whatever you want because you could spend a year or two with mom at home, but this is, a, this is an angle. No one's covered yet. What, what's your thoughts in that case? Well, I don't have kids, so I can't speak to that side of it beyond, you know, speculation. Um, but you would care about kids if you had them, right? It seems to me like there's this overwhelming sense in the, Lions fan base right now that Stafford is gone sooner rather than later one way or another. Mm -hmm. I have not, I have definitely not bought into that. Um, I think that there is a extremely high probability that this year will be a bounce back year for him. Statistically. I agree a hundred percent. I think last year was uh, an, his low year. It was an anomaly other than the uh, the injury years. Right. And I think he's gonna be he's gonna be a very very good quarterback in the meantime. Right. Um, I think that that means that there's almost zero chance of him being traded unless that does happen. And I'm not saying that's impossible that it could happen. Sure. And that the team could decide to make a move next year and and deal with you know the consequences therein. Um. I don't think that's likely. I think when a player stays with a team for as long as he has, it's more likely that if he's going to continue his career, it will be in Detroit. You know, you build a life somewhere. Right. Um, and, and, and that's my perspective. But he hasn't, right? He has, a, he has a place here. But in the off seasons previously, he spent them all in Atlanta. Matt Ryan, obviously playing basketball last year. This year has been very significant time in California. And he's building a life that doesn't seem like it's in Detroit. And and I and, and I don't mean to. I don't want to put this out here as like he doesn't care about Detroit. He doesn't love the team. He's not committed. No. That's not at all what I'm saying, right? But what I'm trying to do is kind of take a step back and put myself a little bit more into Matthew Stafford's head and the things that matter in his life. And and if you put yourself in your head, like we, I did a I did a poll. Um, people were were complaining about players and and where their um, their priorities were. And I did a poll, and eighty like eight or eighty nine percent of the people was I want the money first, right? <laughs> so it's like shut up when players sign somewhere else. Obviously, they're going for the money just like you would, right? Okay, so that's that. But if I put my head in Matthew Stafford's head, it's not just where am I going to make the money because he's going to make money anywhere, and 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 he's making a lot of money now, so he's he probably could take less money to go to a place that's more favorable for his living condition. Second, second tier is now about what is it like to live there, right? Right now, he had a bad year. It's probably not a great place to live in Detroit. He's not signing right now, so that's okay, right? But where are my kids? Where's my family? Where's my long-term future? What am I investing in for life after football? 
in 2022 if I'm Matthew Stafford, what am I looking at, right? And he could do a year or two away as a quarterback somewhere. But I'm just kind of trying to put myself in his head. And when you get to the end of this contract, where he's at in his career, where he's at with his family, and it's it's just an angle that no one's really talked about or maybe analyzed or thought about. Because I'll tell you straight up, that family, I mean, when you were married, Case, right, 50-50, Right, you didn't just make the decisions on what you wanted to do, and 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 you weren't able to just. I seldom of... made the decisions on what I wanted to do. <laughs> Good point. Uh, but but that being said, right, you you throw you roll the dice into a family, and that puts a whole different different cast on on what you're talking about, especially after you've gotten the big contract done. So I'm not saying he's leaving. I'm not saying he's going to be out of here. But boy, that that having your kids have a good life, good school, all those things. I mean, I went out, and and this is something. People have actually asked about this in our in our, our survey we did. So I want to save a little bit of, or share a little bit of inside Chris info, not inside Chris, but <laughs> inside info about Chris. Um, when I lived in California, we started a school. We started a charter school, and it wound up being of 131 schools, and ninth best in the county. When I left as president of the board of of uh, the school board there, uh, great, great. Thing, did amazing things 300 and some kids went there school was super 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 important to me and it was something that i focused on to make sure that my son had the best opportunity i'm not saying that he's gonna go out and start a school or anything like that but i'm just gonna say that there's a focus in your life and everything you see about matthew stafford in the off season is it's about the family on the off on the during the season it's all about football but those decisions weigh and i don't know like i said i surprised you with a, a topic i'm sorry about well, that i didn't mean to, to, to jump you with that that's okay. I, I, I think, I mean, talk to me in 2022 about how successful the team has been over the last few years. Yeah. It, because if they haven't been, I mean, A, then, then you ask two questions. You know, what is his value to other teams versus his value to the Lions? Because if his value to other teams has gone significantly down by that point, that, you know, could mean... He still may take it as a quality of life adjustment. Right, right, right. right. I get that. I get that. Because if it's gone down um, to other teams, it's gone down to the Lions, too. Right. I get that. Um, but if he is having success and there is a legitimate feeling of, you know, let's f- make this happen or or let's make this happen again, you know, cross <laughs> your fingers, Damn um, then, that, then that, that has to play a major impact. So that, that's, you know, to me, that doesn't mean that he will resign or anything but it it really to me the the major the one number one factor in my mind as to whether or not he'll be around after this contract is where the team is at okay he uh, there, there's any point in time though and 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 family will make you do it because god it does but he just may say so it's all good and there you go so he may do that I would, <laughs> but that's me, right? All right, so let's talk about really quick the auction that is going to. It was going to kick off today, but waiting for a couple of items to come in. We want to we want to kick off with the with a good number of the right kind of items, and uh, we have this auction for St. Jude. It's going to be an online auction at DetroitLionsPodcast.com. You'll be able to go there and see some really killer items. Big thanks to Eamon Reynolds from the Detroit Lions themselves. The organization is donating an autographed football you're going to be able to uh, bid on. Uh, Dean Blandino's putting some stuff together. We've got all kinds of other stuff coming together. Uh, check that out soon. But St. Jude, it is a uh, uh, a charity anybody can get behind. Nobody, nobody says 
fist to the sky St. Jude, right? It's a, it's a it's a great place to help families and kids in need at the most time they need it the most. And uh we're doing a fundraiser thanks to uh Matt Patricia's great generosity to uh Steve Mariucci's challenge as a result of Rich Eisen doing his run rich run thing. So head on over to Detroit Lions podcast. We have a couple ways you can take part. You can donate direct and we love that. Send it through the Patreon. You can do a two month donation so you can break it out over two months. We have the PayPal set up. You can do a direct donation. You want to give cash straight to St. Jude's, go send them out. We'll put it in. It'll all be part of the check. Or if you're like, eh, I kind of want to get something out of it. Well, there's a way to do it by doing something you're going to do anyway. we got some great merchandise there. We have uh, all kinds of awesome T-shirts put together by Punk Rock and Trev, the superstar on the Detroit Lions subreddit. He's got some great designs. People are eating those up. A dollar from every T-shirt is going to go to St. Jude's as well. So uh, you can do it that way or the auction. All this money's going there. We did. I started out with a $500 match. Check this out, Case. And then Sam yep. said, you know what? I'm going to toss in $500 on top of that. So after you get $500 of donations, I'm going to match the next 500. And then uh, AJ, one of our uh, listeners and great friends, he said, you know what? On top of that, I'm going to add another $500. So we've had $1,500 in matching funds. We've crushed it. All those funds are gone. We're over $3,000 in donations in the first week for St. Jude. You folks are awesome. Thank you so much. Thank you. I, I mean, I can hear the kids screaming your names now with, with, in a nice way. Uh, it's, it's great to get those donations, and thank you, everybody, for all you do. Again, get some merchandise. Get those shirts. It's the shirts. We're going to be rolling out some new merchandise. The, uh, I hate to say the margin's so low. We had the merchandise coming anyway. We just decided to give a dollar from every shirt. So if you, if you want to do it for St. Jude, do the shirts. Uh, if you want to donate direct, again, Patreon gives you two months to donate. And uh, so you can you can do a, a larger amount over time, or you want to do a one-time donation, do a Patreon. And then the auction, we're, I think it's going to start later this week, right around probably the 22nd or 23rd. Um, again, we don't want to start the auction until the items are in hand. I trust the Detroit Lions. I trust Eamon, right? <laughs> but I just want it in hand. I want the picture. I want the whole thing set up so it's absolutely perfect for you folks. The auction will go through noon on the day of the draft, April 25th. So it's a long auction. You get a lot of time to bid on this stuff. And we're going to be adding stuff as time goes on. And uh, you'll see some cool stuff popping up. But head on over, check it out. And on the live stream, on the live draft show that we do, the draft party, as it were, we will announce the auction winners. So get ready for a lot of fun. Tony's joining us, Tony Ortiz. You'll, you'll hear from him later. He's joining us on draft day. Justin Rogers, Jeff. Risden, Dean Landino, maybe even Dan Orlowski, all the friends of the show that we've built over the years. We're going to have them weigh in. It's going to be a great day. But uh, all those folks have pointed you to head towards the auction, DetroitLionsPodcast.com, the merchandise, DetroitLionsPodcast.com, the direct donation, DetroitLionsPodcast.com. It all goes to St. Jude, which is the best damn charity out there. So the other thing that I want to talk about before I stop is Amplify It. Every social media contact you have should know at least three times about this. So let people know to go to the website and donate to St. Jude. It's an important, important charity. So help us out here, okay? All right, let's move on. Trade scenarios for the Lions in the draft. Miami. It seems to be the one pick, right? We talked about Washington a little bit, but they made some signings. It really seems like the focus for the Lions right now to trade down is Miami because they want a quarterback, right? They need a quarterback. They've they've kind of blasted their stuff out. 
got rid of uh, oh oh what's his name uh, t- 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 <laughs> something 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 anyway so they need a quarterback right if I'm Miami case at number eight I'm getting really really horny for the Lions spot right I want Kyler Murray and he's gonna be there isn't he uh probably not Oh, man, we had this all laid out. What are you talking about? He's not going to be there. Probably. But uh, I mean, this is this all gets really complicated because you don't know what's smoke and mirrors, although I don't really trust the Cardinals to, you know, have a really good handle on uh, on what uh, they want to do, much less smoke or mirrors. (laughs) Right. Exactly. (laughs) At the moment. Uh, But it does sound like the Cardinals want to take Kyler Murray number one overall and probably try to trade uh, Josh Rosen to somebody else. Um, and the guess would be that Josh Rosen would be picking up maybe like a second round pick. Uh, so it wouldn't affect, you know, the other quarterbacks in this draft so much. Um, other than, other than if it was Miami that decided to change, uh, trade for Josh Rosen, although there certainly hasn't been a serious, you know, connection there, uh, to this point. Let me, maybe let me ask really was- quick. So Josh Rosen, he was a first round pick, right? You go in yes. the first round? Yeah, okay. So he's fermented for a year. If you're going to trade for Josh, Josh Rosen and you're Miami, what do you give up for him? Second, I don't. Third? Well, no, no, I no, don't. No, what do you think but... his value is? <laughs> <laughs> okay, I agree with you. But what do you think is probably value? a second round pick? Oh, okay. probably. Okay. Probably. Okay. So he's fermented around over the course of a year. Right. Okay. With, well, then, and that's just my guess. I like. This is such speculative territory right now, and I've heard so many different people say so many different things that all I can do is is make a, a wild prediction. My guess would be that our chance at getting Miami to trade up with us would be that they don't want Rosen, that they want Dwayne Haskins, that Miami, that excuse me, the Giants don't take Dwayne Haskins with the number six pick, and that the Broncos are you know tempting them at ten. Uh, that the they Haskins. And that the Bills, and that we just, you know, either match or, or beat the Bills off. That's bullshit. Wait, wait. You, you had an R at the end. That wasn't just beat the Bills off. It was a beat the Bills offer, right? Offer. Okay, off, offer. Got offer, it, got it, got offer. it. Got it. That bullshit got cut you off. Okay. All right. So Arizona takes Kyler Murray. Josh Rosen's available. There's probably no trade. I feel like we've we've suddenly delved pretty far into the hot take territory here. Yeah, but things stink. So so let's let's okay let's let's back out of that then and say in this trade scenario because everyone's like, I just want to trade down. I just want to trade down. I'm going to trade down. If I'm Bob Quinn, I'm trading down. <laughs> um, you kind of need another team that wants to move up, don't you? And yeah, and maybe maybe if Josh Allen's available and they decide that he's not the guy they want, although I kind of, you know, personally, I think they would want him. If somebody else decides that they really, really want Josh Allen, maybe that's the way to go. Maybe that makes even more sense than looking at it from a quarterback perspective. So I don't know. I don't know. Do you think anyone's are- really hot on TJ Hawkinson? Yeah, I think the, I think the Packers would like him at twelve, but I don't know that the Packers would trade up with us at eight to take no, him. Especially, although us. Hey, maybe, 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 especially, maybe us. they're so desperate for it they would. If if it was any other team, but an right. FC North team, they would do team. it. Yeah, right. yeah. Right. So so let's be honest. The Lions need another team who wants to move up, right? That, I mean, that's what it is. And and if we are the instigators to move down, 
that situation blows. We're gonna we're gonna lose value. You know, the idea is, oh, someone wants to trade up and maybe we can get a lot of picks. You're going to get shit picks because you're the one that wants to move down. You're the one who who has the need, right? You're, you're no longer, the negotiation sucks if you're the Lions and you want to move down and no one wants to move up, right? So then, of course, you just have to weigh the value against the, you know, the players that you think are available there versus the players that would be available at the, you know, the picks you're able to pick up. And uh, it. You need a master's I, in economics. I don't will you? trust. Bob Quinn enough whoa, in this situation. Whoa, whoa, wait, to, say, say it again. Say it again. I, I will trust Bob Quinn enough in this situation to not totally butcher that wow, decision. Wow. We do have a trust in Quinn shirt, and uh, Case might be wearing it after this draft. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, man. Okay, so so there it is. I mean, we wanted to talk about the whole, hey, just trade down kind of stuff. There's more to it than that, and and there's an ex- exchange of values between teams and who's the instigator, who wants to trade. The first thing, when you call somebody else saying you want to trade, you've already given up value, right? That, I mean, that's the, that's the bottom line. So that's the negotiation, and you want to be a good negotiator, so, so don't go messing that up. There's your trade scenarios. All right, really quick, don't forget if you're – they're available – there's all kinds of good stuff available. You need a you need a Trey Flowers jersey. You need a, a Justin Coleman jersey. You need Jesse James, Danny Amendola. They're all available. They're all available right now. And you can be one of the first people on those trains by heading over to DetroitLionsPodcast.com. And you would scroll down a little bit further because the St. Jude stuff is there. And click on the Fanatics link and get those sweet-ass new jerseys. And uh, you can style the stuff. You can roll around town like, I knew it all along. People don't know these jerseys are out. You can be like, you could be like the hipster influencer Instagram person before anybody else did the hipster Instagram influencer thing already, right? DetroitLionsPodcast.com. Click on the Fanatics link. Go get yourself a killer new jersey from the, from, I'm, I'm thinking Trey Flowers is a good one. That's a long, that's a long contract. You're going to get a couple of good years out of that. And when it's all said and done, you could probably frame that thing if you go to a game and get it signed. DetroitLionsPodcast.com. Go ahead and pick up your your Lions stuff by clicking on Fanatics there and uh, help us out by doing something you were going to do anyway. All right, let's talk about some key NFL dates coming up. March 24th through the 27th, the annual league meeting. Of course, we got Dean Blandino, our on-site reporter, with all the details. He'll hit us before and after the meeting with all the important stuff going on there. April 15th, the Lions, since they don't have a new coach they're gonna be able to begin workouts then and of course the draft on the 25th of april with our annual what is it case draft party damn straight a lot of good guests a lot of great stuff going on and maybe even a little drinking some stuff going on there so you want to check that out and uh we've got some amazing stuff coming up for the lions on uh it's either the third through the fifth of may or the 10th of through the 13th of may that's when the three-day rookie minicamp begins and uh, it's one of those two weekends so we'll see where that plays out for the lions some good news coming out there key dates coming up right now don't forget about that and uh well gosh there's all kinds of other stuff going on. We're talking about St. Jude, which is a big thing. Make sure you sign up and help out with that. Uh, key NFL dates. We've got some new people c- coming in. Um, one of the things we need is another cornerback. At least that's what everyone says, a cornerback too. I mean, Slay's doing pretty good, but Case, what do you think, man? This is this is something where we're we're in need. We, 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 we I like Justin Coleman. He looks good out there, but... Um, he's kind of a slot guy. What are we going to do in that cornerback two position? 
I feel like one of my catchphrases for the show should be um, take vets at cornerback in free agency. Um, take what? Because they say it over and over and over and over again. Um, unfortunately, as I think everybody knows, this year wasn't a great year uh, for vet cornerbacks. I do think the Justin Coleman signing was a great one. Uh, the best it, possible, right? What's that? Probably the best possible. Well, maybe uh, for given what our need was at the slot and assuming that's where he fills in, mm-hmm. um, then yeah, absolutely. For the, for what he brings and in, in how much he improves the team, I, I definitely think so. Um, so, but there aren't, there aren't a lot of guys left out there in free agency that are, are wildly thrilling. Uh, but there are definitely a couple of guys that could be brought in, especially with the amount of money that we still have left over um, and upgrade the position. Maybe if only slightly, um, and, 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 you know, provide a, a veteran leadership position there. Uh, Morris Claiborne and Darquise Denard, maybe the top two in that area. Uh, neither of them is like a world beating cornerback. Uh, but if they, but if they went that direction in free agency yet in the, as this second, um, wave of free agency, you know, slowly starts to trickle in, then, I mean, it would still leave them open to taking guy like, uh, Joe Juan Williams. I'm, uh, once again, apologies that I have no idea how to pronounce that. Hmm. Uh, <laughs> Joe Juan. Joe Juan. I'll get there. I'll get there, there guys. I'll get there. I'll get there. <laughs> but if they wanted to look at a guy like that in the third round or something like that, um, there are a handful of guys in the draft that could be second, third round, fourth round picks uh, that that they could definitely bring in uh, in the hopes of them taking over next year or the year after. Hmm, interesting. A um, couple names out there. Mo Claiborne. He's a guy I've always liked. What do you think about Mo? Well, I like I like him just fine. He's <laughs> he's just not like he's probably starter quality, but he's not going to excite people in Detroit. And I feel like Detroit Lions fans have a little bit higher expectations of what people should be expecting out of the cornerback two position than what most cornerback twos produce. We had it. We had probably a very average cornerback two in, in Nevin Lawson and he didn't have his best year this last year. I'm not going to try to pretend that he did. Uh, and I'd say it was a below average year for him. Uh, he also wasn't getting a great deal of help from the front seven for a good chunk of the year. Mm-hmm. Um, the, obviously the, you know, the ball ball skill issue is, you know, that's an issue. And, and uh, both of those guys have more career interceptions than, um, <laughs> that <laughs> Nevin Lawson has. So that's a, you know, that's, that's a factor. Um, but I just don't think, I don't think that it's going to be easy to please Lions fans this year with the cornerback two position, unless the front seven is taking so much pressure off that whoever's there looks way better. And of course, you know, Mike Ford is out there and we still hope that Mike Ford continues to develop and, and, you know, maybe we'll get lucky and this is the year that he, that he starts to blossom and then we have a long-term solution. Can I, can I maybe throw something out there? Um, Maybe this defense double teams, everyone who's against the CB two, whoever, whoever that is, right? Maybe it's a I was case. Say like everyone, are we going to field like <laughs> well, 16, 17 guys on every no, play? No, 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 no. But you look at you look at the front seven, and you look at the rush that we're. It looks like we're going to have this year, 
right? And you have a pretty damn solid secondary overall. It really is that second cornerback position that is the biggest gaping hole, right? So what do you do? Throw another man at it. Put a safety on him and give him safety cover all the time. Everyone says, oh, all I did was, was throw at the second cornerback all the time. Okay, we can scheme against that. Very relatively easy. You're not going to walk a, a ball down the field running the same play every time. And the rest of this defense looks pretty freaking tight. If that's your one gap, you can you can probably scheme around filling that. Don't you think, Case? Probably. And, and just to go back to the name, I do think Claiborne would be my favorite move. Um, of of maybe the entire rest of the uh, free agency pool if they picked yeah. him up because yeah. I do think that he'd be a serviceable to average to above average cornerback too and I he'd I, I be great for that second position yeah. a slightly a slight upgrade and I do think having that veteran leadership in the secondary is an important thing especially now that we're losing Quinn so yeah and he doesn't he doesn't challenge Slay in the way that everyone says the, right. the ego challenge happens right I mean this is this winds up being a pretty decent fit what about is uh, here's a guy we've talked about I loved him in the draft I'm was glad that we didn't take him afterwards but what about Darquise Denard he he's a guy that uh he is he a guy? I guess there's two questions. Can Patricia fix him <laughs> in the CB2 position? And do we want him? He's. <laughs> right? An anomaly. Yeah. It, well, and he's had injury issues, and the Bengals have been a little bit of a dysfunctional organization. Um, he's young. He, at 27, he's still a guy who hasn't necessarily seen his peak at the cornerback position. And most positions, I'd say he was past his peak at 27. Um, a lot of guys, I feel like, uh, in terms of their savvy for the position at the cornerback position, don't peak until a little bit later. He isn't the tallest guy at 5'11", and, and I think that I feel like that's the wave of the future with cornerbacks is that they keep getting taller and taller on the outside anyway. Mm-hmm. Um so maybe that's not the ideal fit. And and to be perfectly honest with you, I'm not sure that he goes exactly with what uh, Patricia wants to run on defense. But I mean, at the same time, if we're talking about a guy that they want to bring in on a two, maybe three-year contract, I'm not going to complain that hard about uh, Derek Cuisinart. Now, I, when, it, when free agency was, before free agency kicked off, and I was just looking at names out there, um, he, he stuck out to me because I remembered him in the draft process, and I liked a lot about him, and I was very glad that we didn't draft him. But at the same time, there were, there were things to like, and, and I, I, I intermittently have followed his career uh, with the Bengals, although it's, it has certainly been up and down. Sure. So trying to rely on him for 16 games to be a starter and be really good there. That's, you know, that's not going to be the best, most ideal situation, but we may not get the best, most ideal situation this year. So. Well, look at you, Mr. Positive. No, no, I don't don't disagree. So um, what about uh, addressing the situation in the draft? We're not going to have a guy this year, right? I mean, we just, anytime you get a a cornerback in the draft, even at number one, I mean, and it, it, and I'm not talking about number one overall, but the, even a first-round cornerback, you hope he plays. But, gosh, he is not going to be effective until uh, year two or three. Year three is when they really start to hit their stride, right? No, and I, I, I do completely agree with that. I, I think that you know there's a very high chance that they do pick up somebody in the second, third, or fourth round. Um, like I mentioned, uh, uh, <laughs> here's another one. Okay, 
Aruariai. <laughs> really bad. This is great. I'm, I'm not that far off. I don't think I'm that far off, but I'm definitely not quite on with that either. Out of Penn State would be a decent second round pick. Rock Yasin's got some, you know, looks in second round. Uh, as I mentioned, Joe Joe Juan uh, Williams, Joe Juan Williams, however it said in the third would be an option. There's, uh, you know, we're probably not going to see Greedy Williams, Brian Murphy, or DeAndre Baker uh, to mm-hmm. us, and those are the top three guys. Um, and I'm just basing that off everything we've heard, you know, so far from the Riz and, and just everything that just does not seem like cornerback is on the Lions radar in the first round, but that there are other guys in this draft who they like. Did you see and, my, uh, rock Yassin footage that I put in the slack, uh, from senior bowl? I don't. Oh yes, I did. But boy, that was a while ago. So, uh, no, no, no. I just put some, I put, uh, six new videos up in the slack just, uh, yesterday. So check them out. Um, interesting. I, and and as I re-review Rock, he's he has definitely got some work to do. Uh, love his mouth. Love his jaw. He's he's always making noise out there, and that's awesome. But um, he blew. There's a couple times on on run plays. He got so caught up watching the receiver that the, the play he never got a shot to turn and make a to play uh, on the run. And uh, a couple times he got burnt in uh, in coverage. Uh, like the guy a lot, like his spirit, but um, have to. And, and he's he he is in the top, I'd say, fifteen percent of guys in in body composition as far as muscularity and so on, mm-hmm. based on the notes I had from from his uh, the elephant walk at uh, at the Senior Bowl. But he uh, he didn't quite. He I mean, look, it's a tough position, right? But he just he was playing catch up a lot at that position. So there's a lot of talk about Rock Yassin. He definitely needs some work. So if we if we draft him or a guy like him, just just don't expect him to play the first year. And if he does, don't expect him to be effective straight one hundred percent. Well, all three guys I just mentioned there are over six foot, mm-hmm. um, and I do think that that's a likelihood in terms of what they five eleven point six. By the way, Rock, Rock Yassin, yeah, six uh, two. Uh, not by the the measurements I have. I, by the ones I do, he is. <laughs> Let me go, Yasin, right here. Five eleven point six. Yep, hundred nine pounds. I am seeing pounds. six two right here. The, but the, uh, this is what he measured at the Senior Bowl. I'm just telling you all how right, it's all, all right, He all wasn't right, wearing his right, heels. All right, all right, all right. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, my guess is, and that that may you know make him a lesser you know prospect for the Lions. My guess is, and it's just a guess, that what they'll be looking for is another guy in the mold of T's Tabor, but with a little more speed yeah. than T's Tabor. None of them are going to be a day one starter. I, I just don't think that it, from the draft, you're going to get a day one starter period. All right. So with that last little read here, quick um, case, I don't know if you've been down in South America before with the, the tall women who, who tell you what to do. I know it's a dream of yours, but there's another place like that. And that's called Amazon. You go and you buy everything. That isn't your Lions gear and isn't a donation to St. Jude, so come do your donations. But uh, head on over to DetroitLionsPodcast.com. Click on the Amazon link. You'll head straight to Amazon. No pop-ups or funny stuff. You can buy all the stuff in your life that you're going to buy that isn't Lions gear, and you can do it there, and they'll give us a kickback, and they'll say, God, Case and Kiss are so great. Chris and Case are so cool. Woo! We're going to give them a little bit of kickback. It's a great way to help out the show by doing something you were going to do anyway. You don't even have to think twice other than go to DetroitLionsPodcast.com and click on the Amazon link. And with that, 
It is now time for Case to take us around the division. Oh, oh, woo! Oh God, I missed that. Oh my God! Feel it? All right, all right. You feel it? Let's let's settle down. Settle down. Settle down in here. Wow, that was good. Right. Okay. So we will start at the uh, bottom. This week again, after after reversing it a little bit last week with the Packers. And we talked last week with Riz about some of the signings they made and how they made some, you know, quality signings. Um, they 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 much like the Lions paid market value for the guys they got. So they weren't necessarily getting steals, but they picked up some valuable players. And, and that's, you know, uh, that is something for us to be concerned about, especially for their defense. That said, and <laughs> This is exactly why I stopped trying to read too much into cap space because it's so tricky. And originally, uh, we thought that after what they had, they still had a, like a $15 million available. I, I, I don't remember the exact number. 13, you, somewhere between 13 and 15. You know when you said it's tricky, I wanted to roll out the run DMC, right? I love that song. Okay, <laughs> anyway. Um, you should see me do it at karaoke with my buddy Bill. Oh, we, anyway, we we will see that in the next couple <laughs> weeks, maybe at the draft show. But go on. <laughs> anyway, um, then then a report came out that they had less than five million, maybe as low as uh, three and a half to four. Um, after what was reported, oh, the, the, okay. So what was reported by the media came off, and this may have just been a headline issue that the Packers screwed up their accounting. And that was, the, that was what the uh, headlines seemed to imply. Aaron can't add. The Packers, um, Aaron can't up. add. <laughs> Sorry, Aaron, sit down. I'll do the math. Now, A, the Packers didn't screw up their accounting. They always knew how much money they had. That wasn't Aaron. The yet. reporters who tried to figure out how much money they had screwed up. So... What? Nice work, reporters. Wait, Aaron is a better math doer than the reporters. <laughs> I don't think he's involved in this, but <laughs> he's running that. On, he's running the show over there. You know that he's re- real GM is is Aaron Aaron Rodgers. So now today, when I see you know, unfortunately, I, I you know, I, of course, I get excited that you know the, the Packers had like next to no cap space left, and we're going to have to make cuts just in order to sign rookies. It sounds like they actually have enough space that they don't have to worry about it. They're not going to, what, what the, I mean, the benefit is that they're done. I mean, they're done. Like anything else they sign is going to be vet men contracts for, you know, pure depth slash camp body guys. So, I mean, they're not making any more major signings unless they do have something, you know, some major cuts or some major restructuring or anything like that, which don't, you know, rule out ever because obviously that kind of thing does happen. But uh, anyway, the, the benefit is that they are tight, very tight against the cap. So they're not, we're not going to see them doing anything else of significance. Whereas the Lions do still have room to do a few things of significance. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. So, absolutely. There's some real significance available in the Lions cap world. Yes. So that is, that is where we are at with the Packers. And like I said, I stopped trying to figure out cap space a couple of years ago because it never makes as much sense as it should. No, it's, it's a social <laughs> construct. 
<laughs> I, I, I mean, it's not that I don't understand. It's just that we don't get the details. We never get the details of everything until way after the fact. Yep. So trying to predict based on, you know, the small amount of details we do get will lead you to, you know, miscalculate and misassume. And, and in this case, rather significantly. Yeah. So anyway. All right. Moving. All right. Oh, go ahead. Well, uh, go moving on, on up to the Viking. on through the division here, big guy. We got the Vicky yep. Dicky Dickings. Yep. Yep. Moving on up to the Vikings. There isn't a ton of news. Um, when you look at the, the Vikings uh, last year and you look at the, their major problem, and I know we've talked about this already, it was what? It was their offensive they line. suck? Oh, something else, sorry. They, they have a good defense. Yeah. They have good skill position players. Although I will say, like, I'm not, like, overly convinced they have a good uh, uh, running back room at the moment, but they could fix that in the draft. But the offensive line is terrible. And was terrible and has not gotten better. Not only did they, you know, cut my remmers, which I'm not saying that that, that might that might be addition by subtraction kind mm-hmm. of situation. Mm-hmm. Um, but there's not a clear, you know, successor there. They get Pat Elfline back from injury, although he only missed a few games last year. He was not good last year. Mm-hmm. They lost Nick Easton, who was maybe their best backup uh, offensive line to the Saints. And they have yet to address it at all in free agency. And they really don't have very much room to go after. It wasn't, I mean, it wasn't a good year to go after offensive linemen in free agency. They really just haven't done anything. So unless they plan to spend like six picks on offensive linemen and hope that things fall into place in year one for those guys, Mm -hmm. that's going to be a problem next year. That's going to be a big problem for them again next year because Kirk Cousins showed he's not the guy you want behind a weak offensive line. Interesting. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. All right. So that's the Vikings. We will move on to the bears. Uh, there's still not a ton of news uh, since last we spoke. Uh, There's still, they, they hemorrhaged a lot of talent. They did pick up a couple guys. They did pick up haha Clinton Dix, uh, the former Packer uh, who's, I liked in free agency last year for the Lions as a potential long-term replacement for sure. uh, Glover Quinn. Didn't necessarily love. Uh, he went to the Redskins and had a meh year. Uh, he is still theoretically a downgrade from downgrade, excuse me, from Adrian Amos, who went to the Packers. And um, one of the major things that Adrian Amos gave to that defense wasn't necessarily his own playing ability, but that he helped Eddie Jackson a lot become one of the best looking safeties in the league. Although I did, I did see something today about Eddie Jackson having a very bad tackle rating, but uh, he's still a guy who's made, who makes plays all over the field and, and is kind of the, the freewheeling goes anywhere because he can kind of safety. Losing Adrian Amos it could potentially mean that he has to stick more specifically to a certain role, which could cut into his productiveness. Um, and and that's just the question about whether or not Ha Clinton can play up to the level that Adrian Amos played. And to me, that's partly a question of how well the Bears front seven plays and how well they stay healthy. Because I think, you know, if they play as well as they played last year, Ha Clinton should be able to do 
most of what Adrian Amos did. Although I, although I will say, I think Adrian Amos uh, was a much better box safety than I think Clinton Dix is, but sure. we'll see how that plays out. Sure. So that's the big news as far as the bears this week uh, in terms of trying to fill that they've still got, they've still got plenty of holes and they still don't have very much money to do it. So uh, they're still going to be, you know, they're going to come out again of, of free agency in the draft looking like a weaker roster than they had last year. Yeah. Yeah. Excellent. All right. Can I, can I hit you with some breaking news as we record this right now, we have an offer sheet out to Malcolm Brown from the Rams. They get a chance to, match but there is your rb2 right yeah i mean that would be that would mostly solve that situation i think you'd still be looking at whether or not you pick up a guy uh, mid to late round in the draft to add to that to add to that competition and to add to that room but i mean i certainly wouldn't be upset by that as we record we're still reporting the news we should just do this all live case we really should (laughs) (laughs) do you really want people to know how much we screw up <laughs> you always talk about what could be, but you never actually do it, right? That's that's the key. That's the secret, my friend. <laughs> All, All right, right, let's uh, let's move on. Let's let's uh, let's. How about we talk to a real pro? You feel like doing that? Yeah, let's do it. All right, let's bring him in. Time for a different kind of breakdown with today's special guest. All right, and what a guest it is. We have Tony Ortiz. He is the Detroit Lions Radio Network sideline reporter. You hear him all the time on the radio with Dan and Lomas. Um, you used to see him in the preseason on TV, but he, well, the cameras didn't like that. Uh, he's also the ruler of the sports <laughs> desk for 97-1, the ticket, and WWJ in the mornings. He rules the Lions beat for radio. This is Tony Ortiz. Tony, thank you so much for joining us, dude. I can't believe we waited this long or our wires are crossed for this long that we couldn't get you on the show. Yeah, I know. It's been a long time, and I'm a fan of the podcast, so thank you guys for having me on. And and you know what? I've been looking forward to this, so you know what? I'm happy to be here. So so we got one more plus my mom case. We're off. We got two fans now. <laughs> hey, I told you my new girlfriend's listening too. Okay. Um, all right. Triple. So <laughs> we wanted to chat with you, get get some perspective from another guy in, in, in the Detroit media. Um, looking at some of the things we've done this off season. Uh, so I, I don't know, maybe, maybe we, just makes sense to start with the biggest name that, that we brought in and, and get your perspective on it a little. Um, how do you feel about the Trey Flowers signing? I like the Trey Flowers signing because the Lions needed somebody who can pressure the quarterback. And look, they thought they had it last year with Ziggy Anta. Yeah. They gave him the one-year franchise tender, and it just didn't work out because he couldn't stay healthy, which has been a problem for a long time with Ziggy Anta. Yeah. But I think Trey Flowers is a guy who can stay healthy, but he's also a guy who's familiar with Matt Patricia's defense. So his time to catch up with the rest of the defense won't take long, and I think he's a guy who can make an immediate impact for the Lions, who, again, are still probably going to look for yet another pass rusher out there in free agency or in the draft because they need another one. Yeah. What do you think there's been a knock on him a little bit about getting a lot of pressures, but the number of sacks have been, have been lower. Any thoughts? Where's your head at on that? You know what? I'm okay with that because sacks aren't the be-all, end-all stat. I mean, I know a lot of fans like to hook up with stats and say, okay, this is what you want to see, a double-digit sack guy. But if he can get the pressure on the quarterback, make him uncomfortable, maybe somebody else cleans up with a sack. So I'm okay. If he can pressure the quarterback, he doesn't have to have big sack numbers just as long as he can help the team 
get some pressure on the quarterback, make the quarterback shuffle his feet, get out of the pocket, get uncomfortable. I'm pretty much okay with that. I'm in complete agreement with that. I I always actually look at the pressures as a much more significant stat than than the sacks total. Um, the QB hits too. That's you know those are important things. And pressure um, was a huge problem last year, right? It, it oh felt yeah, like they, they, every quarterback had a had like a fortress wall around him, and we weren't able to to get through. Once you get him moving, that pressure that creates all kinds of sacks that maybe otherwise wouldn't have been there. Oh, I and agree. You, and here's the thing. For the last, before he left, the guy who was the master of pressuring the quarterback without maybe getting a whole lot of sacks was Indominus Sue. And he had a pretty good impact on the Lions' defensive line. So, again, I love guys who can get the pressure. It may not pay off in sacks, but give me some pressure on the quarterback. Absolutely. Yeah, no, we, and we were talking about that a little bit last, last week, how, how guys like Sue didn't maybe get the credit for the, or the numbers and, and some of the credit for some of the havoc they were wreaking. Okay, so the next guy, uh, and and we give kind of a big contract here, and and I know that that makes people a little nervous, especially when it's a guy that not everybody knows as well um, as Trey Flowers, and that's Justin Coleman, uh, who coming from Seattle, but previously the Patriots working with Patricia there, uh, play has played mostly in the slot, um, and and I think the, the major question right now is is whether or not he's going to play slot in Detroit or whether or not they have him pegged on the outside. He's going to play slot in Detroit, and here's why. I think the problem here is people look at that, see nickel cornerback or slot cornerback, and think, okay, he's only going to be out there on passing downs. I've got a feeling that Matt Patricia is going to roll out a 4-2-5 defense, two mm-hmm. linebackers with five defensive backs, and I think Justin Coleman is going to play almost starter snaps, starter minutes out there on the field because of the way Patricia is going to roll out that defense. So don't think of him as a nickel. Don't think of him as a slot. Think of him as another linebacker or another secondary guy out there who's a starter. And I think the numbers that he got from the lines, the money he got, looks a lot more reasonable. Yeah, no, there's there's no question about that. There's a lot of people talking about that need for a CB2. And uh, is Tease the guy? Is Ford the guy? Um, with that... Uh, with a four two five, what do you think? Is is are they the guys? Are we going to pick somebody up? I don't. I, we can talk about the draft. I just I, I liked Greedy for a long time, but a lot of people have turned me off when. I, and the more tape I look at about his his lack of desire to tackle, kind of puts me in. We're going to wind up in a in a tough place at that second corner. Yeah, I agree with you there. I don't think Greedy Williams is going to be the pick, even if he is there at number eight for the Lions. But I will say this much. They have to get another cornerback because they released Nevin Lawson. And look, I thought Nevin Lawson was good, but I thought they needed to upgrade alongside Darius Slay. Now they have a chance to go out in free agency and pick up another cornerback. I don't think they're going to draft one, guys. I think they're going to pick somebody up in free agency. There's also the possibility that they might shift Quandre Diggs back there but then you've got the hole at safety, and I know we're going to talk about that in a moment, but Quandre Diggs, I guess, would be the X factor in this. Does he go back to corner? Does he stay at safety? Can they pick somebody up in free agency who can take over for Nevin Lawson? I'm very curious to see where they go with this going forward when the secondary wave of free agency begins. Yeah, I, I completely agree, and, and I really, I've always been a fan of uh, bringing vet uh, cornerbacks to try to fill in like a CB2 role or a slot role. Um, there's a name, and, and I'm going to pitch you against one of the other Detroit media guys here for a sec. Uh, Tim Twentyman uh, listed Morris Claiborne as a, as a solid possibility. You know, do you have any feelings on that? You know what? I like Morris Claiborne. I'm not sure he's a perfect fit for the Matt Patricia defense, but I do like Morris Claiborne. So I can't 
disagree with Tim, even though I'm bigger than Tim. I can't disagree <laughs> with Tim on this one. And I think he's right on that. I think Morris Claiborne would be a nice addition. Again, I'm not sure he's a hundred percent perfect fit for the defense, but he is definitely an upgraded cornerback. Definitely. And I'm I'm taking Tony in the Tony versus Tim challenge, just so you know. <laughs> <laughs> you know what? Tim runs faster than I do. And, and you know what? He's he lost a little bit of weight, so Tim might actually hold his own in this one, you know? Yeah, he better run faster. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> <laughs> I always liked Mo Claiborne. He was a guy that, um, I, I don't know, I felt fit in the Lions when he got drafted. And, and even though he may not be a perfect fit for Patricia's defense, he is definitely an upgrade at that cornerback position over what we've got. So I, it's it's still a step in the right direction. I agree. As long as you can upgrade, that's the key for Matt Patricia. That's the key for the Lions because you just have to get better. There were certain areas, and, and I don't have to point it out for you guys. You guys know from watching last year, there were certain areas on the field. There were certain players who stepped out there on the field. The moment they did, you thought, well, this is going to be really, really ugly. Now they get a chance to upgrade, and some of that ugliness will go away. We won't point out any names, but I won't tease you with that. Yeah. <laughs> Good job at not pointing them out. <laughs> see, this is see, this is Tony's not joking. He's definitely you know, a, a podcast guy. He's sitting here, no pants with us, and he's he's right there teasing out the right names. Uh, let's <laughs> let's talk about Jesse James, who's got one of the cooler names in the league, right? Um, Tight end, this guy has a lot of upside. He, he seems to be a really, really good fit in the scheme of this offense. What do you think uh, of how he fits and what he could bring? I agree with you. I think he is going to be a good fit. And look, Daryl Bevel, the new offensive coordinator, did a really nice job with tight ends when he was in Seattle and in Minnesota, utilizing them in his offense. And I think Jesse James is the guy who fits. And of the three big names that they signed in free agency, this was the guy where I saw it. I was like, okay. I'm excited about Jesse James. Flowers is good. Coleman is good. James is the guy that really got me excited because he's going to make an immediate impact with this team. He is going to produce. And believe me, again, you saw last year, tight end was a giant black hole for the Lions. Oh, yeah. No offense to Luke Wilson or Levine Toy Lolo or whoever they rolled out there, Michael Roberts. They needed somebody at tight end to help that offensive production. And I think Jesse James is that guy. Yeah, I, I completely agree. And I, I've been talking the last couple of weeks about how much I like him. Um, but uh, it, it's a, I liked what he had to say in terms of his departure from the Steelers. And, and mm-hmm. uh, he wasn't, he, you know, he wasn't overly negative towards the Steelers franchise, which, you know, obviously I think maybe he could have gotten away with doing if he wanted to <laughs> at this moment in time. But uh, just just along the lines of saying that he didn't feel like he was uh, a focal point of the offense, but that he felt that he should get an opportunity to do that and that he feels like that he'll get that opportunity in Detroit. Um, I may be paraphrasing slash, you know, adding context uh, a little willy nilly there. But uh, the idea just being that he didn't feel that uh, that he was a major focus of what they were doing there and despite that still put up pretty solid production and and you know what he'll be more of a focus in the lions offense now let me say this right off the bat he is not going to be matthew stafford's number one target you know that kenny galladay guy will probably be the target number one for matthew stafford but 
every quarterback needs a security blanket. In Dallas, it's now Jason Witten. Thank God he's not on Monday Night Football anymore. That's a whole other story. <laughs> he's definitely every, a better every tight quarterback, end. <laughs> yeah, pretty much, yeah. And, and you know what? It, it helped. He's gone, and they got rid of the Boogermobile. Things can only get better for Monday Night Football from there. But James is the security blanket that Matthew Stafford has not had for a little while. And I think that's important for him to have because there were times, Minnesota, where Stafford was just buffaloed by opposing defenses, and you could just see him looking for somebody to help him out, and the help just wasn't there. Jesse James is that guy. Think Kyle Rudolph in Minnesota, and I think that's the role I think Jesse James could ultimately play here. Oh, God, we were we were drooling over the possibility of Kyle Rudolph coming. Case a little more than I was, but I was, he quickly got me on the train. We I was just hoping him. they'd cut him and we'd have a shot at him. But. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, you know what? Kyle, Kyle Rudolph plays his best football in December. Which, if you think about it, makes a whole lot of sense. Yeah, yeah, it does. Rudolph. Oh, oh, Christmas? oh! Wow! All right, took a second here. Took but... me a second. I've, 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 I've got a little bit of red nose from the from the Jaeger bomb I'm drinking. From Sorry, the, about uh, that. Ooh. <laughs> up in here. All right, all right. It's, it's good. I love I love the, the the play though. The play on words. Let me let me go to somebody else. And this this is another kind of outlet guy that's going to help Stafford because this face it last year. Contested catches were a big thing. Marvin Jones, great mm-hmm. at contested catches, but let's talk, you know, you can look at separation and say, he better be good at contested catches or he's not playing in the NFL, likely. But we, <laughs> we, we want to give some gaps. We want to, we want to create some, some matchups that give guys catches and uh, clear guys out. A guy like Danny Amendola with Jesse James, give a little bit of an outlet to Matthew Stafford that maybe he didn't have, especially and particularly after we lost Golden Tate. What do you think of this signing? Yeah, I think you hit it right on the head. This is the guy who is the Golden Tate replacement, and just like Jesse James, he becomes that security blanket for Matthew Stafford. And guys, once Golden Tate left, once he was traded to Philadelphia, those slot receptions all but disappeared from the Lions' offense. So suddenly, Matthew Stafford didn't have a tight end he could count on consistently, didn't have a slot receiver he could count on consistently, so he was limited to whatever back was out there and the two wide receivers. And once Marvin Jones went down, that got even worse and tighter for Matthew Stafford. So, again, anything you can add will help. And Danny Amendola, again, a guy who can slide in, knows what's going on, is a veteran, understands playing for Matt Patricia. It's a good move. I liked all the moves that the Lions made in free agency, but let's pump the brakes here a little bit. There's still some holes they still have to fill. Absolutely. Uh, real real quick before we move on to some of those, those holes. Um, Danny Amendola is a little bit older and while he has, you know, obviously he has an extensive uh, career of big plays in the playoffs, his, his, you know, regular season production isn't massive. Do you think that that's right. still a sign that they're likely to go to uh, find a, you know, the, the long-term solution to that in the draft or, or yet in free agency, if there's anybody even available? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that's going to happen. The Lions signed this week Tommy Lee Lewis, the former New Orleans Saints wide receiver. So that kind of tells you right there, they're still looking for wide receivers. I think they're going to take one in the draft. But the other thing Amendola provides is stability and veteran leadership. And he's a guy who's worked with Patricia, who's played along or who's played for Patricia, or at least on the same team with Patricia in New England before. So I think he's a guy who comes into the locker room and says, hey, look, guys, this is what he's looking for. This is what Matt wants you to do. And I think that helps out, too, because there were moments last year in the locker room where you kind of got the impression that they needed somebody 
outside of Ricky Jean-Francois, who is a major Matt Patricia booster, to come in and say, hey, look, be patient. This is what's going to work out. This is what Matt Patricia wants to do. And I think Danny Amendola will, will fill that role quite nicely. Absolutely. All right, we're going to move on. This guy was uh, not necessarily a free agent, although he was available. There was a signing. And, I mean, we go way back, way back when he was signed as a UDFA. We can look back to probably one of the most famous sayings in our show. I love Zach Zenner. And uh, we got Zach Zenner back. <laughs> he has signed Case. I mean, he's swooning over there. I can see the hearts like popping around his head. It's not even an Instagram <laughs> filter, right? Uh, <laughs> we got Zach Zenner back. He... Here's a guy, and this is something that, that we talk about. I, I don't trust him as a running back number two or a running back number one, but I, I feel like I should because every opportunity he's had, he's seized and he seems to have delivered. And and I'm a guy who who really believes that guys that do that deserve the opportunity to play to that next level. And and I don't know why for, for someone who we love so much, I don't let my heart overcome my brain on this one. We got Zach Center back. Is he better than we think? We mm-hmm. keep talking him down. Is he better than we think? Is he capable of that RB2, or do we kind of need to bring somebody in here? God, I hate to break you guys' hearts. I really do. <laughs> You've been so nice to me. But Zach Zenner is not RB2. I'm sorry. I think the Lions will go out there, and they will look for another RB2, because I don't think LeGarrette Blunt's coming back. I think the tread's off that tire, and I think they definitely want to get a second back to platoon with carry on Johnson. So I like Zach center. I think ultimately he no, 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 you love him, Tony. Woodhead. You love him. Tony. No, I like it. No, I like him. I, <laughs> I like, hold on. I like him as a player. I really like him off the field. I like him as a player. He's a good guy. I've talked to him a number of times. He's a really good guy, but I think he's Danny Whitehead for this team. I think he's the guy who's going to come in and fill the occasional running back slot, give you a little bit of production as the RB three, but I'm sorry. I can't see him as the RB2 with this team. I really can't. I think the Lions want somebody who is just a little more, can deliver a little bit more. Let me put it that way. Because the other way I was going to say it would have sounded really bad, and I'm not trying to, to down Zach Zenner, believe me. <laughs> well, we're going we're gonna to change topic before somebody says something they regret. Um, <laughs> maybe the last significant signing that we've had um, and we didn't have a chance to talk about this on the show last week because it, it happened it, almost during the time we were recording. But uh, that's O'Day, and, and I'm, I'm going to butcher this, but Abushi. Go ahead. Yes. Did he get it? Was that even close? Yes. You got it. Okay. Oh my God! Now you've it's got a, a, you've got a good different because one of oh. our one of our one of our trademarks is to mispronounce and we mispronounce our own names actually. But <laughs> okay, so point being, um, do you think that's a guy that they're bringing in to uh, compete with Wiggins and Cros- uh, uh, Crosby for a starting position, or do you think that's just purely depth? No, I think you're right. I think he's there to challenge for a starting position. Does he get it? Who knows? It's going to be one of those things that will be determined in training camp and during the preseason, but he's definitely in there to challenge for a role. Let me give you guys a potential uh, fly in the ointment on this one. So bear with me. What if TJ Lang took a real significant pay cut and the Lions re-signed him? I mean, you think that's still a possibility? I think it's a possibility. I don't know if it's a great possibility, but I think it's a possibility. Mm-hmm. And here's the thing. TJ Lang really wants to come back and play again in the NFL. And I think if the price is right, he could come back with the Lions. That being said, 
the problem is, I don't know if you can, at this point in his career, think he can stay healthy for 16 games. Yeah. Wow, Tony. So hold on, because we and, and I'm not. You're not wrong by it. You just kind of like re-rolled the dice on the calculus of the whole thing, right? Because we talked about the <laughs> idea of him taking a big pay cut and coming back. But when they cut him, and and boy, when he went away, there was a little bit of ceremony there. It's it wasn't like your typical. I'm gonna. I'm leaving. Kind of. It was a little bit more, and it was a little bit coordinated with the team. Oh, so we thought it would happen immediately. Here's the cut. Take it and go. Right. But boy. He he loves the team. He said, "Look for him." And we thought maybe there may be a coaching role, like he could start his his post player career. The thing about TJ though is is the number of concussions he's had, and we we've talked about how worried we are about him and his life after football. And that's what we thought coaching was a perfect way for him to go. But a but a low snap count kind of role, as well as kind of a player coach. Wow, that's 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 completely that that scrambled my eggs, buddy. It, it could be a possibility. Now, again, I'm just throwing that out there because, as you said, he did not, it wasn't, it didn't feel final, did it? With the release right. and with all of the words and oh. the comments, it just didn't feel like that this was final, that maybe he was going away and fading off into the sunset. Right. There was that feeling that, okay, if things work out, maybe he could come back. I'd like to see it. Come, I'd like to see TJ come back. I'm, I'm a right. fan of oh. TJ Lang, but, but you're right about the health. That's the major concern at this point. This Tony guy has his shit together, Case. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's that was a good one. You you activated my almonds a hundred percent on that. That that's a really really good one. Thanks for that, Tony. Okay, Again, so I'm just I'm throwing that out there. It may not happen. I'm just throwing that out there. So the uh, the lines, the way they structured some contracts, and and this you know mm-hmm. this wasn't information we knew right away off the bat, but uh, things that have leaked out sort of over the last week in terms of um, how how things are maybe a little bit more backloaded than we expected, and and they're left over with more cap space sitting there. Do you see any other large moves? Uh, do you see that as a as a very likely thing here in in maybe a second round of free agency starting whenever that. <laughs> ends up starting and and let me add to that really well, quick tony because because there's the whole sure. concept of of rollover and you look at the guys we signed this year there's a lot of money starting to come out next year in the cap and we mm-hmm. have it we've hired a new capologist to help out with the team is this something that maybe we want to roll over cap this year because we feel like we've got a decent team and that's going to help out next year just to add another layer of variable to that question <laughs> And you know what? That's a good variable to add because, yeah, that is a definite possibility. And, again, they have to keep in mind they're building for this year, but they've also got to look ahead a little bit towards the future. Um, based on the numbers that Justin Rogers from the Detroit News came out with recently, they've got about 26 to $27 million left under the cap. You probably should allocate about 12 to $15 million for rookies and things like that. So the Lions do have a little bit of significant money they can spend when the second wave of free agency kicks in. And I think that happens usually after the draft. Once the teams look at what they've got in the draft and once they see what they still need, that's when the second wave of free agency will hit. And I think the Lions probably will take a look at a safety. If I'm the Lions, I probably try to sign a safety before the draft, but I can also see them waiting till after the draft to see who might be a June 1st cap casualty as well. Yeah, no, no, that makes that makes perfect sense. I love the way you 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 think about it over time because so many times, I mean, I try to I try to expand things and think about how the, the lining these things up over time happens, and uh, it, mm-hmm. often I'm kind of like helping people along with that one. And and you've like I said, you've you've brought the whole timeline into into focus. And when do you do the right thing? It's it's great. 
Let me ask you about the last guy on our list here, uh, Andrew Adams. Safety. We we pulled him in from the Bucks, I guess. Over mm-hmm. to the I to guess. the Lions <laughs> in my backyard here. Uh, <laughs> what do, what do we think? Is this, is this guy a starter? Is he camp body? What are we going to do with him in this? And we talked a little bit about what's going to happen at safety. Um, what what's your thoughts here? I've got him penciled in at this point as the guy who's going to take over for Glover Quinn. And I know the team really likes Tracy Walker a lot, and I know they would like to see him ultimately grow into that role. But I think at that position, which is so critical for Matt Patricia's defense, I think this is the guy, Andrew Adams, that you pencil in and say he's the guy going into training camp that will probably start at that position that Glover Quinn manned. Now, he could lose the job in training camp. He could lose the job in the preseason because he's going to have a number of challengers. But I think that guy is going to be the starter at that safety position. Just look at his numbers with, especially with Tampa Bay. He's a guy who seems to be improving on his game each and every year. And I think he's the type of player Bob Quinn and Matt Patricia have targeted a guy whose career seems to be ascending at just the right time. And he's young enough, 26 to make an impact on the Lions defense. All right. So yeah, I'll admit I have not given him enough time. Uh, so what you just said, uh, and and I guess you know I had seen the numbers. Um, nine pass defended four interceptions last year. Mm-hmm. Um, so I mean maybe I, I I don't know why I I kind of relegated him to to you know third tier status here. But um, yeah, I will definitely be paying a lot more attention to what he's doing. Thanks uh, to what you just said here. Let me just add a little to this. So Tony, and uh, you know. No one's actually said the words, and, and I haven't thought of the words, the Glover Quinn replacement, which is, it, it's mm-hmm. it's kind of shocking, right? I knew Glover was going, I, and, but I love, you know, we love him. He was such a great guy for the community, a great guy for the team, just 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 absolutely fabulous. The only thing he could have done is maybe if, if he'd have opened the nothing but cakes instead of Marvin Jones, maybe he would be just like, they would make <laughs> statues of him in Detroit, right? But whatever. So we're, we're thinking about this four two five setup. What you're just talking about is is actually makes Andrew Adams a really good fit, doesn't he? Yeah, it does. And the thing about Glover Quinn was he's a good player. I think he's a very good player. He was a good player in the defense when it was run by Terrell Austin when Jim Caldwell was head coach. But I also think that Glover Quinn was a guy who probably had the hardest time adjusting from Jim Caldwell as head coach to Matt Patricia as head coach. Those are a couple of guys who have completely different styles. And plus the fact is, I think Glover looked at his age and his time and said, you know what? I've spent enough time away from my family. I want to get a chance to spend more time with my family. I liked Glover a lot as a person. I liked him as a player and I'm glad I got a chance to interview him. Glad I got a chance to know him. But I think that his time probably, this is the right time for him to have gotten out. Let me put it that way. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I completely agree. And and he he's probably one of my favorite lines of all time, like low key. But um you were you're absolutely right. I mean, it if he wasn't gonna be able to make that transition at you know, the age that he was at and, and try to do right. things a completely different way, it definitely makes sense. Um, okay, so we don't want to keep you forever here. Uh, we do probably have just one more topic here that I we want to get replace your thoughts case. on. He's, he's doing a really good job. <laughs> <laughs> we'll bring it back again. We'll get him back again. Case is like, what do you mean you replaced me? <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to take some Hold weeks on off. now. I'm not replacing anybody today. You know? No. <laughs> no. Right. <laughs> <laughs> so... Okay, so we always we always you know say uh, early on in the early on in the off season you know we get we can't really make too strong of predict, predictions about the draft until we we see what the opening mm-hmm. 
round of free agency brings. And then, you know, as you say, we can't really make too strong of predictions about what the second half of uh, free agency will bring after the draft. Uh, so that leaves us with the draft. <laughs> Do you have some major thoughts on where you think they might go in the first couple of rounds? Yeah, I still think they try to grab a pass rusher with the number eight pick, but I will say this much, and I know Lions fans are not going to want to hear this next sentence, and I'm sorry, but I'm yeah, going to say it. I, I'm already braced for it. I know what's coming. <laughs> All right. <laughs> there is still a possibility that the Lions could take TJ Hawkinson with the number eight overall pick, even though they did pick up Jesse James in free agency, tight end is still a question mark for this team. So no position is out of, out of bounds for the Lions to take at number eight. Now, between all of us, I don't think they're going to take a quarterback at eight. I really don't. But if you're Bob Quinn, you did the right thing at the combine by interviewing Kyler Murray, by interviewing Dwayne Haskins, and by telling reporters – nothing's out of bounds. We will look at every position and it's smart because if one of those guys is still hanging out and you get the eight and some team thinks you might consider doing it, who knows? You might get a trade. You pick up some extra draft picks, helps build your team. Yeah, absolutely. Now, now let me, let me, (laughs) this is something I've got this locked in my head. You know how you, you you get this, the kind of, you lose all your situational awareness. You get this focus on, I'm all about Irv Smith in the second. He may not even be there, right? I, but I, I really, really like him as a choice in the in the second. And I think I think you're right. We need a second tight end besides Jesse James. We mm-hmm. we don't have it with who we have right now. If it isn't Hawkinson, though, where where mm-hmm. are you looking? Where are you looking in that first round? If it isn't, yeah, I'm scared about the, you, the, after Ebron, right? <laughs> the whole yeah. first round <laughs> T is is just it's it's like a hot potato. Yeah, if they take a tight end at number eight, it to use the line from the old Simpsons movie from Homer, um, wow, they got pitchforks and torches up real fast, didn't they? <laughs> I can see Lions I can see Lions fans losing their collective minds if it's a tight end at number eight. Um yeah. I like Irv Smith, I really do. And you know what's funny? He comes from Alabama. And the one thing about that is Bob Quinn loves guys who have played for big name programs and for big name coaches. You look at his drafts the last couple of years, you see a lot of guys from big name school, from the Big Ten, from the SEC, they litter the draft picks. And again, he played for Nick Saban. There is no coach in college football right now who is more, who's gotten more guys pro-ready than Nick Saban. Urban Meyer might be close second, but believe me, if you want a guy who can step in and be ready, you play for Nick Saban at Alabama. Let me, let me ask you about that because I'm, I'm, I'm kind yeah. of thinking second level. You you want a guy from a, a big-name program, a big-name coach. Is it because mm-hmm. those guys have given themselves to the system? They trust the coaches. They trust the system. You think that's where you kind of have – that you, you know you're going to get some buy-in out of them out of the, out of the box? Or is there something else yep. besides, oh, we're just winners, and that's that? No. No, you get something out of them right out of the box. And here's the other thing, too. If you play for a guy like a Nick Saban, if you play for a guy like an Urban Meyer or Jim Harbaugh, anybody like that, what happens is these guys have been in the NFL or at least have had some experience coaching in the NFL or working with NFL coaches, so they know what it takes to get a guy ready to play at the next level. So there's little maintenance with those guys getting them ready for a career in the NFL. And I think that ultimately is why you get guys – who get drafted from those schools pretty quickly because the people in the NFL know it's low maintenance. It's plug and play for the most part with those guys. Yeah, absolutely. And I completely agree. Okay. Uh, we'll, 
ask you a couple quick more questions, but uh, the first one being, if you're, if you get to choose for the Lions who they pick uh, round one among, you know, the guys mm-hmm. who are likely to be available or, or who, you know, there's a high probability will be available. Who do you take? You know what? I like Cleveland Farrell out of Clemson. I like his ability to rush the passer, but I also like his ability, and we saw this a lot at Clemson, to stop the run. He's a guy who you put out there, and he can play all three downs. He can play passing downs, running downs, whatever. First, second, third down, he is out there. So I like Cleveland Farrell. The only slight problem is he had a toe issue that prevented him from taking part in pro day, and I just don't know how much that might affect his draft status in the end. But if he's healthy... I like Cleveland Farrell. Two guys, by the way, guys, I would stay away from because I think they're workout warriors. Montez Sweat out of Mississippi State and Ed Oliver out of Houston. Those guys were put up phenomenal numbers at the Combine. They were, you know, well talked about. But I just don't know if those guys will succeed in the NFL. Wow. I shouldn't. Let me rephrase that. I don't know if they're going to make the impact teams feel they will in the NFL. Right, Again, my position. Yeah, no, no. This is you. You just buried me in like questions. Uh, Montez Sweat. I saw him at the Senior Bowl, and he just he looked. Mm-hmm. He had a um. A, 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 he would just stab people, and they would like. It was like he had a real knife in his hand. <laughs> they, <laughs> they just froze and dropped. He was incredible. He was he he looked really really good out there. So it's interesting because uh, the level of competition at the the Senior Bowl is is high, but it's still college mm-hmm. players, right? You're you're not you're not talking all NFL talent there. So interesting interesting to hear that about about Montez. Let me ask you about Cleveland Farrell though. You yeah. talked about him as 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 a as a pick, and one of the things that I thought was a knock was he wasn't super. He didn't bring anything that was like over the top to the team, but he was mm-hmm. a day one starter. I sit here and think about it, and I say, "Well, we got Trey Flowers too," <laughs> and, mm-hmm. and maybe that changes changes my thinking on him. Maybe all of a sudden the pressure that he generates, and and again, he he you, as you said, he does well against the run, he does well against the pass. He's mm-hmm. a three down guy. All of a sudden, you put yourself, you know, you got you got snacks out there at the right time. You got Trey out there at the right time. This may give you the right kind of balance across the line. This may, just the makeup of the line itself may actually, and I have to think about this now, Tony, you've done it again, but this may give him a little bit of extra status for a team like the Lions, and for me, at least if I'm picking out the team, where he would fit on this team and and really kind of maybe elevates his value. And here's another thing he does. He also takes a little bit of pressure off Romeo Okwara to produce the similar type of numbers he produced last year. And you know, I like Romeo Okora, but he's got to prove to me that he can do it again this year, what he did last year. Bringing in a guy like Cleveland Farrell now gives you three solid pass-rushing defensive ends that you can rotate in and out. And again, platooning is very important now in the NFL, and especially with a guy like Matt Patricia, who loves to roll out different guys for different matchups and different sets. So the more weapons you can roll out there, the better off you can match up defensively with other teams. This is good stuff. Wow. So last thing I have to talk about, Tony, is is the support you gave us on, on Twitter about the St. Jude um, piece we're doing for the, the charity drive. Thank you so much for supporting out there. And, and, you know, you get a lot of people introduced to us as a result of that. And we really, really appreciate it. 
for those who, who haven't heard, we're doing an auction very shortly. We're going to have the Lions mm-hmm. have donated a, an autographed ball. We have a um, 99.9% sure we're going to have a game-used Super Bowl ball available for the auction. Some other things uh, available as well. 100% going to uh, St. Jude from everything we raised from that online auction. But, Tony, you were really, really helpful in when we kicked that off and getting some word out there. We really appreciate all the all the help you did. And, um, you know, that's not why we had you on the show. We've been talking for a while. Is, is, has it been, I mean, I know you're sitting there pants free talking to a couple of guys, but (laughs) is it something you do again? I mean, it didn't hurt, right? (laughs) No, this was fun. I had a blast. And listen, I was glad to play a small part and believe me, I played a small part. There were two guys who really did carry the mail for you guys. And they were the, the steely Dan's as it were, Dan Orlovsky and Dan Miller. They did a really good job of getting the signal out and getting it out as well. So, those guys deserve much more credit than I do. Uh, but everybody's a help, and every dollar helps. We're going through draft day. We're going to announce the auction winners on the draft day. Thank you, everybody. Tony, dude, it was so great to have you on. We're going to have you back every every day we can have you back. You're awesome, man. Thanks so much. Well, guys, now that I have your number, I can call you anytime. So be ready for a call at like 2 or 3 in the morning wait, when I wake wait, up. You know, it's like, hey, guys, I just wanted to call and make sure the number works. Ah! We, we didn't say that. <laughs> awesome awesome thank you tony you are the bomb dude you are so great hey guys anytime and i'm a big fan so keep up the good work and i will talk to you guys soon remember this show needs your involvement use the comments and subreddit to give us your feedback that's why we're number one because of you we'll take that feedback and we'll keep evolving show to something special something you guys like and and tell your friends about. Don't forget about us on Patreon. Patreon.com slash Detroit Lions Podcast. Remember, for the next two months, all that money goes straight to St. Jude. Give, give heartily, and give as much as you can. Let's help those kids, all right? Check us out on Facebook. Facebook.com slash The Detroit Lions Podcast. Facebook.com slash The Detroit Lions Podcast. Or where we're the most active. I mean, we are like a virus, like a parasite sucking the blood off of anyone that comes out on Twitter at DET Lions Podcast. DET Lions Podcast, the very best place to see Case. Get lucky. Ooh, baby. Give us a call via Skype at Detroit Lions Podcast. That's all one word, Detroit Lions Podcast, or call us on the Lions line at 929-33-LIONS. 929-335-4667. And also, go to DetroitLionsPodcast.com. Subscribe. Subscribe to that podcast so we can come in your box automatically. Thank you for tuning in. We're going to see you next time on the Detroit Lions Podcast. Remember, no pants, no toasters, no hot tubs. No problems, baby. Because we're your Detroit Lions and Reddit connection. <laughs> Final seconds winding down, and look at that. How big is that? Chris and Case out of time. Pack the bag, start the plane. This show is over.